0: Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast. This is the fourth Sunday in the season of Epiphany in year B. Our series is From the River to the Mountain. From the river where Jesus was baptized to the mountain where he was transfigured, he was giving his followers epiphanies. He was uncovering for them his identity. These epiphanies changed them, and they change us and our listeners now, too. You can read more about the series on the Foundation tab at wellscongregationalservices.net. I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, and our preachers for this series are Pastor Phil Kasmer from Christ the Lord in Brookfield, Pastor John Bordelin from St. John's in McQuanago, Wisconsin, and also with us today is Professor Alan Sorum from the seminary. Thanks to all of you for serving today. Uh, Phil, let's begin with you could you tell us a little bit about the weekly theme for this Sunday in the series?
1: So we're continuing on our journey from the river to the mountain. And by fourth Sunday after Epiphany, um, we are taking a little pit stop or reminder uh, that what we're moving into with Jesus is uh, an absolute authority or the absolute authority. Um, The authority word comes up in the gospel reading, uh, and the other readings point to this one who speaks here. Uh, Authority is the power to make stuff happen in different ways, or or there's presence and things like that in people that we know or teachers we've had, um, this kind of idea. Jesus brings that as he comes to the synagogue in Capernaum. He is the only one who has absolute authority, authority to drive out demons and to speak the word of God. Uh, in a way like nobody else does, uh, and so he's bringing that gracious or that that authority work into his gracious work as savior uh, to complete our salvation.
0: Yeah, thanks for that summary, uh, John. Could we turn to you for a summary of the first and second readings before we get to the gospel as our text today?
2: Yeah, thanks, John. Um, the first reading, the well known words from Deuteronomy chapter 18. Um, this comes as no surprise what Phil um, talks about um, in our gospel that this prophet, this great prophet who is going to arise, uh, greater than Moses, even uh, Jesus himself, that he would show up and, and look out what happens in that synagogue. Um, the, the preacher, the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 3 in um, that section, talks about Jesus being just that, the one who comes after Moses and greater than Moses, he himself being the son who speaks with all the authority that uh, the father gives. Um, interesting, as those two readings lead to the gospel, um, I'm, I'm drawn to the prayer of the day uh, where we ask that the Lord would look on us um, in our dangers and needs. And I think when our hearers would hear dangers and needs, uh, they would think about things earthly and they would think about uh, things that we can see, but our readings uh, and especially the gospel are going to point us beyond um, the dangers that are right in front of us. We we really need someone who speaks with authority uh, for the dangers, the battle uh, that, the Lord um, has has called us to be in um, the battle uh, waging against uh, Satan and his forces.
0: Yeah, thanks for that summary. Let's then get into the gospel of the day, Mark 1, 21 to 28. And for that, we'll turn to Alan Sorum. Uh, Alan, can you just highlight some things that might be helpful to preachers as they look at this section of scripture?
3: Absolutely. We're in Mark chapter 1. And Mark is already very busy developing uh, his characters, especially the character of Jesus. And the text really gets after one of the main characteristics of Jesus, and that's his uh, authority. Throughout Mark's gospel, he very consistently presents all of his characters the same way. Uh, The disciples are always slow to believe. The spiritual leaders of the Jewish religious community are always corrupt. The demons are always incredibly cruel to the people they possess. And Jesus is always the powerful son of God bringing the kingdom who loves more than anything to preach the gospel. It's interesting in this text that the demons refer to Jesus, the Nazarene. I'm just going to gently suggest that might be an insult, you know, like what good thing could come from Nazareth. Uh, It's also interesting, though, that the text begins that immediately after entering Capernaum, he goes into the temple. Jesus relocated his ministry headquarters, as it were, to Capernaum. And this makes a lot of sense strategically. It was a a flourishing community on a a main uh, thoroughfare of business. It was predominantly Jewish perhaps, but it was also very diverse, and according to Jesus' preferences, it was just full of sinners, so this was a very great place for him to relocate his ministry, and he enters into Jerusalem, he goes to a synagogue, and immediately he begins teaching, that uh, teaching is an imperfect there, he begins teaching, or you could say well, there he is, according to his custom, according to his preference, there he is teaching. Uh, three times in this short text, Mark uses the adverb, oi thus, or immediately. And I think all of them really capture or really communicate some insight into the glory of Jesus or the personality or character of Jesus. So entering Capernaum, he immediately goes to the synagogue and does this thing with preaching and teaching. Uh, immediate, immediately in the synagogue, Jesus is confronted by one of these demons who immediately wants to diminish Jesus' witness by uh, associating himself in a familiar kind of way, just such a perverse way that the demon would try to diminish the witness of Jesus. And then also there's an oythos at the, end of our text where Jesus impresses the crowd with his authoritative teaching and his complete control of demons immediately Jesus authoritative reputation spreads ab- spreads abroad um, two different times two different times the uh, the word authoritative or the authority appears. It almost brackets the text in verse 22 and 27. We see that word. Um, uh, I'm looking for the word right now. We, we see the word uh, alfen exousion. There it is. It's almost like the exousion brackets this text. Here we have the amazing authority of Jesus who, who unlike the, the scribes, who according to their character, according to their nature, the best they have are empty human traditions. But here comes Jesus, which is God's commitment to help his people and everywhere they need to be helped, especially spiritually. And here comes Jesus, who just loves more than anything else, to preach his out from all their... It's,
0: Yeah, thank you for that, Alan. Um, uh, I was going to ask about, um, in the context of this encounter Jesus has with the impure spirit, um, just I I think in terms of like uh, law application, things like that, um, how do you connect this with the lives of hearers now? I mean, uh, and this comes up, you know, in these... um, narratives where Jesus is uh, showing his authority over demons and other places too. Um, What applications do you make for current listeners Um, since, and I know Alan, you discuss this in your book too, uh, it, it varies culture to culture around the world. Some people you preach this text to, and they would say, well, yeah, I know what it's like to have encounters directly with impure spirits. In our American context, people are probably pretty reluctant to say that, or just would not acknowledge that at all, but demonic activity is still present. What do you guys think um, about making applications for your listeners when you uh, are preaching on a text like this? Alan, you want to go first?
3: Thanks for that. That's a a great point. Um, Just to bullet a couple thoughts, number one, acknowledge demons are real. And when I do that in various preaching opportunities, people inevitably come up to me afterwards and say, "Wow, seeing the opposite—it's really reflecting uh, the, the cruelty of his demons and just how they love to degrade in you know, an awful way the people they possess." I think people are—they want to hear that. Um, the, one of the men who wrote a senior thesis, I was his advisor, and he trace the diminishing of the presence of this devil in uh, theology across the ages. And, And he makes a really good point. I think the, to the degree we leave Satan out of our preaching, the, the, the glory and the comfort and the just the impact of the Vicarious Atonement is diminished. So I think there's a couple of good reasons to just point out that Satanic is influence is as cruel and awful and real and deadly in any community you happen to be in. Uh, His, his trick is to, as somebody once said, convince us that he doesn't exist.
0: Right. So that's an important point, just affirming the reality of this. And uh, uh, we'll get that too coming up in the first Sunday in Lent, you know, the gospel uh, account of, Jesus temptation I think that's another opportunity to do that but yeah just recognizing uh and affirming for people the reality of the satanic powers that existed then and that absolutely still exists now um though the manifestations of them you know may change from age to age or place to place but yeah the reality does not um John, uh, Phil, any thoughts on, on how you approach that topic when you've got it kind of right in your face like this in the text or what you have yeah. to people, John?
2: Thanks, John. Uh, I was going to say, you know, um, talking about the, the reality of our folks' lives, um, you know, those who've been to Capernaum said, you know, that when you walk into that town, uh, still today, you know, what's left of the synagogue, it's in a prominent, uh, place, uh, in that community and, and, and uh, Peter's uh, mother-in-law's house, you know, is a stone's throw away. And and that just draws me in. Uh, these are real people with real issues that are facing them. And uh, as Professor uh, Sorum pointed out for us, uh, demons then and demons now. I, I once was listening to a, a Lutheran pastor from Australia, not in our fellowship, but, uh, but where demons were having their way. Um, and, and he was just talking about uh, the the danger and that which comes when people uh, welcome the dark side into their life and uh, easily invited in, not so easily uh, kicked out. And so as far as, you know, how that preaches to our hearers today, we see the effects of demons and the dark side um, all over our lives. Uh, And, and I guess there's a law preachment there. Um, The Lord is serious about, uh, his word for our life, the commands for our life, uh, because he he wants what's good for us and sees how inviting evil in by by touching that which is bad is simply not good for us. So there's maybe a connection that could be made in real lives.
3: Mm-hmm. Phil,
2: I think too, um, you know what Alan
1: and John have said is is true. I would not back away from. Reminding or saying, you know, these these things are real. Peter's legit and serious when he says the devil prowls around and he's dangerous. And you shouldn't toy with him. And demon possession still happens. Um, and maybe on that line, you know, there is a aspect in like verse twenty two. Um, he teaches as one who has authority. Um, twenty seven. Uh, it's a new teaching and with authority, and they're they're amazed and. You know, maybe like with, we would tend to think of demon possession as something far off and far away. Um, and similarly, we can lose the, just the amazement of who Jesus is and what's going on. Um, I think law preaching, you could take the demon's word and say, my sinful nature wants to say things like, in verse 24, there's nothing in common between me and you jesus like i don't I don't need your word, I don't need your direction. Um, that demonic speaking is where the devil wants to take my heart, um, whether he possesses me with a devil or not uh that is my temptation to to have the wrong kind of amazement at jesus christ and and want nothing to do with him finally,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, the uh, any other thoughts on kind of approaching the law from this text? I mean, or are different angles on that? Um, Phil suggested a good one there, just kind of uh, how easily our sinful nature is drawn to the wrong side. Uh, Alan,
3: if you take a, a step back from chapter one and look at the whole book of Mark. <clears throat> The disciples are always wondering or asking, who is this man? They're they're not opening their eyes to see the testimony of Jesus' miracles, confirming his authority and his deity. So um, a a, a direct application would be to pay attention to this, see what Jesus is doing, uh, recognize and acknowledge his word is authoritative, find comfort in the fact that he has complete control over the demons. Uh, I I think just looking at the corruption of the hypocritical scribes who delight in the false piety of their externalism, that we secure our faith, hope, love, trust, and respect for Jesus, uh, unlike the corrupt church or unlike his disciples, we, we pay attention to it. We love it. We embrace it. Some, something like that.
0: Okay. Okay. John?
2: Yeah, and just the, uh, I mean, just the import of what's happening here, right? So for, for however many years, uh, those folks in Capernaum thought this was a good place to be, and it was a good place to be in the synagogue, but but somewhere there it had lost its mooring and somewhere the focus, and now here comes a new teacher with authority, And if you could drive that home again to our folks, um, the real battle that's going on um, for their soul. And this is more than just, hey, you ought to kind of like sort of go to church, you know. Um, but this is where the one who speaks with authority is actually driving uh, him who wants your soul for all eternity and driving him far from you. Um, as Phil pointed out, you know, my sinful nature wants to cry out. What do you have to do with us, O Jesus of Nazareth?" And, uh, and it's on, if you will, in a Sunday morning encounter with this one with authority. And he wants everything to do with me because he knows what happens for me and for my hearers when I'm not with them.
0: Great, we're getting into some gospel thoughts here, but let, let's build, continue building on those. Uh, Phil?
1: I think it's interesting too in this section you know, Alan pointed out early on both the authority. I can't remember if you said uh, something about uh, didacte and uh, didask and didasco teaching, doctrine, that word is in here too, but um, it struck me funny that I was reading it through. He's teaching, they mark him as one teaching with authority. It's a new teaching and with authority, um, but not anywhere in the text do you have like an expansion of what the teaching is. Now we know, but uh, you know, Mark's doing classically what's happening in Epiphany, where we're looking at the Christ. Uh, Alan said it at the beginning like, who he is, what's characteristic about him. And I, I mean, maybe I'm saying a dumb thing here, but like, I think uh, the gospel of our sermon might be comprised greatly in just describing the powerful Lord Jesus. Uh, as Alan did before, like how he works and what he does. Um, it's almost like Mark is saying he's doing all his teaching, but it, it's it's him that I need to see, I know what the teaching is. Uh, or you could do the same thing with Oethys, the uh, immediately that comes in a bunch of times. And it's almost like uh, these are the things that get dragged along when Jesus shows up. Synagogue worship is happening. Demons are driven out. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this, is, this is what Jesus brings.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we uh, get the emphasis, I think you're right, on, on the person of Jesus, his action. Um, last time we talked about repent and believe the good news, the kingdom of God is near. There's there's the content, right, of Jesus uh, preaching and teaching, or a summary uh, in a nutshell. Um, but uh, yeah, here it is, the person himself is teaching and displaying authority his powerful word is on display his authority over all the powers of satan is on display uh yeah uh as we get into anything further uh, about applications or um uh bringing this home for people now the gospel truths of this uh or jesus power over the forces of evil uh in the world evident in their lives any other ways you could uh suggest for preachers, um, give them ideas uh, for how to communicate that to people. Alan? You know, you look at the
3: Didasco Didasco in the imperfect, just kind of capturing Jesus' way. We could say something like, uh, it, it was just, it was just Jesus' way to preach the gospel. And you could, perhaps ask the question to start the conversation, is it our way to listen?
0: Yeah, okay. So listening and uh, the blessings that flow to us through that, here's the authoritative teacher, and he's right here uh, teaching us still. Uh, Further thoughts on that or applications for our people? Um, John?
2: Uh, and we've alluded to it before the battle going on but uh, yeah. uh, maybe maybe it should give us pause that uh, the first miracle um, that Jesus performs in Mark's gospel is an exorcism you know and I think that would that would maybe shock uh, modern day hearers uh, about what's really happening then and what's really happening um now and 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 where are those who you know, there's a reason that we're concerned for our loved ones who who aren't in the assembly, um, who aren't um as Alan said, hearing um this teaching of Jesus, um, and and specifically the gospel. Well then who's who's whose backyard are they in and um and and the danger zone that they're in? Great.
0: Yeah, a lot of a lot of provocative uh thoughts come to mind when we think about that. Yeah, there still is an encounter between uh, Jesus and the forces of evil going on. Our people are caught up in this, Uh, right? This is still happening. Uh, Alan?
3: Yeah, depending on the season and what you wanted to say in a broader way, don't you appreciate how Jesus just mixes it up he rolls up his sleeves. He goes where the sinners are. I mean, this is the land Nebulun, and and the land of great darkness. And it's it's heritage with the its relationship with the the God of Israel is really spotty. But there there that's where Jesus is doing his work. That's where he wants to go. He's going to God's country, not you know where the brook trout are abundant, but where the sinners are. I, I find that a real really precious thing about jesus character and his personality he goes where the sinners are
0: Mm -hmm. yeah last week we noted um uh, he goes to galilee and begins his ministry there and finds these fishermen and he's still there in galilee at capernaum right and this is yeah the land of uh darkness there's um a whole bunch of Gentiles hanging out there, uh, with, as some thought kind of sketchy backgrounds. And that's where Jesus wants to be. And that's where he's doing his work. Uh, John.
2: Yeah. I, I'd like to ask a question of Alan or, or actually all three of you too, you know, in verse 26 there, it's just, uh, you know, if I'm writing this account and I'm Jesus, you know, uh, it's Jesus and it's the power over the evil one. And it just, uh, the subject in verse 26 shocks me a little bit that it's the, it's this unclean spirit who's, uh, you know, in a very violent way uh, leaving um, this man. And and how does that preach uh, to your hearers um, that just that the actual action of the exorcism, if you will, um, that again, that it's the, It seems I don't know. It seems like the spirit gets a little bit too much, uh, too much in front of us. I'm not saying it right. Why is he the subject and not the object?
0: Yeah, thoughts
3: today. I let let me just start with uh, a general overview of the demons that are exercised in Mark's gospel abuse, just terribly abuse their victims, and the focus is on. The unclean spirit just wants to get in one last lick on his victim and convulsing him before he has to leave. And I think it to, to anthropomorphize just a wee little bit, the, the unclean spirits, so petty, so base, one last way to degrade the victim. And I really think this is an important point to make to our people, you know, like lest you put your fingers on the Ouija board with a bunch of other young people when no one's looking, look at whom you're inviting into your life. Look how they really feel about you. And I think Mark's gospel just consistently treats the demons in this way on their way out.
0: Good point. Yeah. So that uh nature the intention of the demon is revealed even as he's forced to exit uh this man's body he's there to harm he's there to hurt and to inflict as much pain as possible so one last lick um other thoughts for preachers uh phil
1: um if we do you know in this text part of part of application as what kind of attention we have to the one who's standing before us, are we amazed and all those things. I think that um, new teaching and with authority teaching is one who exudes authority, has authority in verse 22, Uh, maybe an illustration or a reminder or a connection is most of us have had that in some way. We've had some teacher, some seminary professor, some college professor, some high school teacher that, Um, I don't know that we would say spoke with authority, but no matter who you were, they listened in the classroom. Uh, He had the students' attention, Um, and I think that that's a a worthwhile connection illustration to pivot to Jesus, um, who has that, in a way, far greater and uh, God's word-centric than any of us could ever do, but we can all relate to that kind of thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Being in the presence of authority, the authority of the word um, being exercised through someone teaching it. Yeah. Um, how about uh, ideas? You have ideas for uh, themes or direction for the sermon um, that you could share with preachers? Even something um, at the beginning stages of it would kind of suggest, um, here's a purpose for the sermon or what we want to accomplish with this message. Uh, John? John?
2: Yeah, I see Phil raised his hand in this recording, so I'll let him uh, maybe answer your question. But before he answers your question, uh, um, just this thought uh, to the preacher, um, you know, uh, lest lest we think that uh, what happens on a Sunday morning is a child's player or lest we think, you know, is my ministry having any effect or impact here at all? Um, you have you have been granted authority preacher right from him who is the authoritative one jesus christ and and what happens when you speak in his name specifically when you um unleash the gospel on those uh in your hearing um the demons can't handle it, and Satan can't handle it and um and this is no small thing um what happens when we gather two or three in his name,
0: yeah, yeah. It is Jesus still at work among us confronting evil. uh, And yeah, that is happening, though it may not appear so to our eyes. That's the reality. Uh, Phil, uh, further thoughts and direction for preachers here?
1: Um, I was just, I don't know. As I read through it, I was caught by that beginning section of, um, you know, he's, he's going into the synagogue. And as Alan said, uh, that's characteristic of Jesus and uh this is a law statement now but it should be characteristic of god's people too that and then as the gospel it's fruit of faith um, for sanctification and so something I, I was just thinking of like being in church with Jesus that sort of theme mm-hmm. idea that that lets us get down to seeing the authority that god has and you know then we didn't talk about it much but if I want any motive and, and push to do a, a verse 28 kind of thing and get out and spread the message of my Lord, I need to know who he is and what kind of power he has. And as John said, the authority that even goes with me when I take his word out and um, that being in church idea uh, might play well for the, the gospel blessing, but also uh, the law application to what I'm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, some interesting ideas there. I, I think of um, in, in there'll be next lectionary year, uh, in year C, we'll get Jesus in the Nazareth synagogue, and there the focus is more on his teaching, right? But here we're in church with Jesus, and it's all action, typical of Mark. Um, but the, the action is this head-to-head confrontation with evil, and it's Jesus' authority that wins. So yeah, that might be a neat way to to frame it, is what happens when you're in church with Jesus? Uh, John
2: yeah I once preached on this uh, in a theme of um, kind of who's who's in your ear um, you know so so Jesus shows up and immediately the unclean spirit is uh, you know what do you have to do with us you know uh, and so many things clamoring for our attention so many things filling our ears, and our people's ears. And so, um, lest there be any doubt uh, after reading Genesis three or re- reading Mark chapter one, who should, who should be in our ear uh, and um,
0: yeah. Yeah, good thoughts, thoughts. Uh, anything further for preachers uh, to share as uh, they take a look at this text and think about how to proclaim it? Uh, if not, then let's wrap it for today. Um, and we'll come back to this a little bit next time too, uh, as we look at um, still Jesus' power over the forces of evil. But uh, this is a yeah awesome section just to see uh, the authority that Jesus exerts over all of Satan's forces, um, and that's a gospel comfort to every believer, and just a, a an in-your-face statement of Jesus' power over the evil that's still all around us. So God bless you, preachers, as you proclaim that powerful good news of Jesus' authority.